Welcome to the Kingdom Culture Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this spirit-filled message that it blesses your week and brings you joy and perspective. To connect with us, hop on social media and for more information, head to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. Thank you. I want you to stay standing this morning. (laughs) Thank you that you do this. And I know we always do that for each other with all our heart. As I was driving here this morning, just um, before we start the timer, if that's okay. As I was driving here this morning, I felt the Spirit of God say to me that I was to begin this morning by honouring and praying for all the churches in this region that are meeting today. So I want us to do that. There are so many good churches in this region. We are so blessed. Not one of our churches will ever meet all the needs of this community or Shire. Not one of us. We will never have one building that will fill them, uh, fit them all in. And I just felt the Spirit of God say to me this morning while I was driving, how many other people were driving up the highway and in all the back streets heading to the house of God. So we are in blessed days in the earth. And this is one of the most on fire regions in Australia for church growth and church life. So this morning, I just honour these churches. We honour them, Father. We lift them up. We lift up the pastors, the leaders. We lift up the family. We lift up all those that are serving. And we speak the gospel going out. We speak salvation today. We speak healings and redemption over this region today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Take a seat. Yay. Yay for this area, this region. Thanks, guys. This morning, I'm going to be speaking on waiting well in your seasons. And again, this is, as always, anything we preach up here is a huge subject, so I want to hit it hard and fast. And this is something I've had to learn in my own life through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And every single one of us, we are not exempt from this. So we're going to get straight into the Word. James chapter 5, 7 and 8. It's going to come up on your screen. And by the end of this morning, I believe that people are going to get unstuck. They're going to get healed. They're going to get delivered from all kinds of things, feeling stuck and um, without hope in certain seasons. And that's what we need to do. And this is James. We just did a big study on James. You can podcast it. The brother of Jesus speaking. He says this, So be patient, brethren, as you wait until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits expectedly for the precious harvest from the land. See how how he keeps up his patient vigil over it until it receives the early and the late rains. In the NIV, it says the autumn and the spring rains. So you must be patient, Whinging and complaining, muttering and spitting the dummy, holding on to offence and blame, sulking like a hormonal 14-year-old girl, taking your frustration out on everyone around you, especially your husband and your children, and withholding your finances to punish God and your church, accusing that same God and those same leaders of letting you down. 
That is not what it says. This morning, what does the Word of God tell us to do in those seasons of waiting and patience? It says, so you also must be patient. Establish your hearts. Strengthen and confirm them in final certainty because the coming of the Lord is near. Three instructions are given in one tiny verse. Establish, strengthen and confirm your hearts. And that's what we're gonna look at today. When that is hard, how to do it. When that is hard, how to do it. Uh, Less than two weeks ago, I woke up in the early hours of the morning. I was telling the women, And I heard the Spirit of God say to me on the inside, you are not to die with all the treasures that are inside of you. Simple sentence, because the Spirit of God knows that I've had to learn a lot. I've had to grow in a lot. I've had some wonderful experiences. I've had some hardships. But it's left a big deposit of treasure, as it ought to, especially by my age. And this church is filled with people who have that deposit. Every one of the people here who are old enough to have adult children, some of their testimonies would blow your life away. So this is where we're going to go today. There's something I want to bring, though, to your immediate attention um, in all those treasures that I've ha- I have, and that is every single season of our life matters. Every single season of our life matters. Not one of them is less valuable than another. Not one of them. Up on the screen, I've asked Pat just to put a sentence from my preaching up that I really wanted to share. Not one season is less valuable than another, no matter how dark, how traumatic, how filled with grief or uh, disappointment it is. Not one of your seasons. This isn't on the screen, but I want to add to it. Nor does it matter how insignificant or repetitive or hidden or how unnoticed or how very unappreciated or how very, very long your season may be. And we fall into one or several of those categories this morning. We cover a lot of life when we live on this planet. And it's important to realise these are seasons. These are not accidents. These are not accidents. These are seasons of our life that we have authority over. And this morning, we need to get this. Until we believe this, we will not be able to remain patient or establish or strengthen or confirm one single thing in God. If we do not reason, uh, understand this season is of great value, we will not be able to plough it well and invest into it well. And you will not be established. You simply will not. I can promise you that. Listen to this. The symptoms and the values of the spirit of the world are not to lead us or bring us under its authority. And I want to open this up today, or what it dictates. The spirit of the world is not our master. It, it is, we have no business living under its dictates and its demands and its authority if we are true believers of Christ. If we were truly following Christ, we have no business living under the dictates of the spirit of the world. We are under more control of this spirit of the world than we realise. And every day we face it. 
Every Christian, every unbeliever faces it. And we're kidding ourselves if we think we don't. No one is too high and mighty and too spiritual not to face this every day because it's the nature of the world we live in. Sadly, the spirit of the world has become the DNA of the culture of this earth. It becomes part of the DNA and it's definitely not breathed out with the spirit of God or the sacred breath that Pastor Heather led us into at our last conference. And if we don't do something about it, we are gonna die belly up under its influence, very miserable at a very old age. My mum's in aged care and um, some of the people in there I stop and chat to all the time, and you have never met a a bunch sometimes of more hopeless people that are just waiting to die, that are waiting to die, and it breaks my heart. That is not where we are meant to live. I tell you what, if I ever ended up in aged care, and I will not, but if I ever ended up in aged care, I would be pumping it out, mate, till my last breath. I will not be, I won't be lying in any bed, you know, rotting away till my next, when is my next cup of tea? And when's, oh gosh, it's five to five, I must go eat. I am not gonna rot away like that. And there are people that come under that dictate. So what I, why am I speaking about the spirit of the world? I love this scripture. Yeah. Ephesians 2, 2 to 3. Paul speaking to the Ephesians. and Oh man, Paul is the best, but he nails this. He nails it in this version. It wasn't long ago, he says to the church, this is not to unbelievers. It wasn't long ago that you lived in the, in the religion, customs and values of this world. Obey, listen to this. If you ever want to know the resume of Satan, here it is. Obeying the dark ruler of this earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and who works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. That is what we face every day. That is what we face in our seasons. This is what we face. The spirit of the world has a life all of its own. It has a life all of its own. That's why the Bible says you are in the world, but not of it. We live in the world where the spirit of the world is alive and well, but we are not to be of it. When you study this out, which I love to do, when you study this out, the spirit of the world, this is what it literally means um, in the Greek. It, it says it has an attitude, an inclination, a tendency, an atmosphere, a mood, a frame of mind and moral standings. And this isn't in the Greek, but this is mine. And it has personal uh, political correctness gone mad. It's, uh, it's just ridiculous, political correctness. That's the spirit of the world that we are in, but not to be of. We must never give it authority over us. And you can be thinking, what has this you know, got to do with seasons? In, in waiting well. It has everything because our seasons have been under this authority for way too long. And we have to make a choice today which kingdom we're going to abide in in order to live these seasons well and wait well in our seasons. We live in a world where we are trained from birth uh, out of the spirit of the world that there are levels of betterness, not bitterness, betterness. 
We all know this, right? So it's, it's better if you're skinny rather than not skinny. That's a dictate of the spirit of the world. If you're beautiful, you are better than someone who is not considered beautiful. If you are trendy, you are considered better than someone who is not at all trendy. Having 2,000 followers on Facebook is considered considerably better than having 150 followers, which most people my age have, <laughs> up to 300. If you have 300 followers at, at uh, my age, man, that's amazing, you know, like, like three, they have 300 followers, on, friends, I mean, on Facebook, 300, like, and the spirit of the world says this. Whoever is first wins. Whoever comes first wins. Whoever is first wins. God have mercy on your soul if your baby is not first in everything. God have mercy on you if your baby does not have all the same milestones as Google and your peers. Because whoever is first wins. Oh, they crawled it two and a half weeks. You win. If you crawl first, roll over first, walk first, speak first, you win. If your baby is the prettiest, you win. See, do you hear what I'm saying? This is ridiculous pressure to live in. And you will, I promise you, go through seasons of this. Because the spirit of the world compares everything in your life. Everything in your life. Everything in your life is compared under the spirit of the world. It just does your head in. Like, honestly, girls who aren't mums yet, beware. It'll do your head in. It'll, it flippin' does your head in. All through their schooling, all when they leave. But it doesn't end there. When you finish school and you become um, an adult, so to speak, ah, this is just the start of this beautiful life of the spirit of the world. And these are the conversations that are being said to you and me without being said. These are the things that happen subliminally that are being said but not being said. Ah, oh, your son's a carpenter. Oh, I'm sorry. My son's a doctor. I win. And you tell me if you've had adult children leave school with an OP that's not tremendous, the winning attitude that comes and puts you under pressure from mums who have to puff their chests out and boast about their child with the OP one or two. Not one mum or dad escapes this pressure. Your, do oh, your daughter works in retail. Oh, I'm sorry. My daughter's a physiotherapist. I win. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we are either on the receiving end of that or being compared to or we place that on other people. And God forbid we do it to our children. This is the spirit of the world. And I can tell you what it's like to be on the receiving end of that my whole childhood at times. When you are compared to others, when you're compared to others as an, adult, as an adult. And I want to tell you that this is ridiculous that the elusive they sets these stupid standards. And I believe, now I am not saying this, don't hear what I'm not saying. 
if you're a doctor, that is an, an enormous calling, like man alive. If you can follow a good education, please do it. I have all the time, like, oh, power to you for being a doctor and teacher and nurses and people in all these. These are tremendous things. But I tell you what, mate, who's going to build your house? Who's going to serve you at, at Woolies? Who's going to be the person washing your car? These things are of no less value. That's all I'm saying. They're of no less value. So when, you're, when judgment is rife upon you because you work in retail and your sister or your friend or someone else has a job of, of, of a different academic standard, do not fall under it in that season. It'll wipe you out. And it comes into the church. It follows us into the church. It just follows us into the church. And I can say, we don't, I don't never see this here. In fact, we champion everyone here, don't we? We're ridiculous champions. We just shout and rave and you should see our pre-service rallies. Everybody gets a clap. Everybody gets a clap. We do, we champion everybody. But I know for a fact from years of being in the house of God, you will have experienced this and I need to bring it out in the open. So this is a conversation you may be having in your head or, or it's happening to you at this moment. Um, you can be going, oh wow, I'm a service leader on the service team. I'm here before most of you were even eating your breakfast. I'm vacuuming, I'm lining the bins, I'm cleaning the toilets and I love it. I love being on this team. Thank you, Craig and um, Danny, for putting me on this team. But you've heard this, no doubt, along the line, in here, from that spirit of the world that speaks all the time. Oh, that's nice. I'm a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. This is not me, by the way. My great-grandfather was a pastor, and he was a missionary for 45 years in New Guinea, until he was martyred when the cannibals ate him for sharing the gospel. I win. I win. I win. You've heard these conversations in your mind. I'm praying for the global missions team and recently sponsored one of the youth to go to youth camp to Noosa. I actually put off going to the dentist to do this. This is not my, I'm just saying, this is what happens in our pure hearts. And I love it. I love, that was one of my favourite mornings of the year, seeing all those youth sponsored. But you mark my words, this little spirit of the world will come into your mind at times and you have to watch these seasons of comparison. Where it goes, aw, that's nice, kind, of, kind older person. I'm so happy for you. I've been prophesied over by Sean Bowles that, Two million young people will be swept into the kingdom because of my ministry. I win. You know these conversations are true. And we've got in our mind, and we've got to know that in these seasons of comparison, we must rise above it or we will never get planted. Last one. Oh, your daughter just got married at 27. Oh, 37. Oh, geez, you must be like so embarrassed and you still go out in the daylight like I've been made to feel like that because my daughter didn't get married at 21 
It was just like, oh, you know, almost put on the, the cloak of shame. It's just like, and, and people are like, oh, it'll happen to you one day. Like, just stab me in the heart with a blunt spoon. You're such an idiot. Do you know what people say to my daughter? You know, it'll be your, meanwhile, you're getting invitations to everybody's bridal showers and everybody's engagement party. Everybody has a wedding. Oh, you're pregnant. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Oh, you're, ha- you're pregnant again. Oh, yeah, like, this is real, people. You try being a single woman in the house of God. It's not easy. It sucks when everyone else around you is getting married and that's what happens. And inevitably there's a conversation goes in here that goes, oh, my daughter was married at 20, a virgin, and she married the associate pastor of the whole church and he's never even said bum in his whole life. So I win, I win. That's what happens. This is what happens. There's always somebody that's got to pull the I win card. And if you're not secure in your identity in the 27 and 37 age and as the mother of somebody, you are not going to rise in these times. Every single season is of great value. Patrick, if you can just put that um, sentence up on the screen. Basic as, do not miss your seasons. Don't miss your seasons. Don't miss your seasons because someone has demeaned you or compared themselves to you or your life's come to a grinding halt. Do not miss the breath of God. Do not miss the voice of God. Do not miss God's opportunities for you in those seasons. In those seasons, stop missing God's opportunities. Like, stop it. You just got to stop yourself sometimes. You don't need heaps of prayer and counseling. You need to stop it. Just stop it. Stop comparing. Stop being a victim with a victim mentality that comes in. Oh, it's just, oh, it's so frustrating when you can't help someone break through because they hold on to a victim mentality. You are not a victim. You are not a victim. I'm not a victim. I lived like a victim in some areas for ages lived in my past and the rejection. What a load of rubbish. What a waste of time. What a waste of time and energy. You are not a victim. So stop living with a victim mentality. Got to rise up. Come on. Got to rise up above it. Get our eyes on Jesus. What are we waiting for? How many of your years and my years are wasted on waiting for something to happen? We've got to realise that there are very, very, very few grandstand moments in the ordinary Christian life. There were so few grandstand moments. So stop looking. Oh, yes, thanks, Patrick, put that up. Stop looking for the grandstand moments and stop waiting for what you picture as your fairy tale moments to happen. Stop waiting. Stop what start living now before if you don't do it now, you'll waste years before you start to live. And some people leave the earth never having lived because they waited for their grandstand or their fairy tale moment. 
And it never came because they were down in the dirt with their old mentality. They never broke through. They never broke through. You could be waiting a very long time for this elusive, you know, breaking out into the earth, making your appearance. You know, you could be waiting a very long time. So the Bible tells us in... um, Hebrews 11, Pastor Rob um, shared on it at our pre-service rally, and I'm not sharing the scripture, but I want to tell you, when I got really sick a number of years ago, Hebrews 11 changed my life, and that's where the course of my life changed, because this is what I learned out of Hebrews 11 from the heroes of faith. I learned this, that waiting well in God in faith is considered every bit as spiritual and mature as the end season we have in mind. Before the eyes of God, faith and trust is highly uplifted as a wonderful thing. And it's considered just as um, mature and just as spiritual as you doing these, you know, wonderful signs and wonders and having a world ministry. These men and women suffered for their faith and they were known for their waiting well. They waited well. Maturity and intimacy happens in waiting. Your maturity happens in the waiting and your intimacy happens in the waiting. You have to wait for something. It should be pushing us into God. How we wait determines the outcome of this season and the entrance into the next one. So we determine very often the waiting time. So we have to understand how we wait determines the outcome of this season and how we enter the next one. Why do many people never enter the next one? They're still back here. They're still back here. They're still back here. They have not learned to wait well in every season. It's determined too by your perspective and how you think. We teach a lot in this church about the renewing of the mind. I tell you what, an unrenewed mind has nowhere to go in these seasons. We need a renewed mind to get through this. Everything must be filtered through the perspective of the Word of God. What what the Spirit of God is saying, what is the heart of God saying? It has to be filtered through that. Waiting is a normal part of life. I realise I'm going through these points really quickly. Waiting is a normal part of life. It's just a normal part of life. Everybody has to wait. And in the context of what I'm sharing today, I want to share another scripture from Isaiah 40, 31. If you've seasoned in the Word of God, you would have heard this many, many times. But this is really, really important that you hear this today. But those who wait for the Lord, sorry guys, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for and hope in Him, shall change. Oh, I love that. It actually means be transformed. And renew their strength and power. They shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. Those who wait on and for the Lord. This word wait is not a passive word. 
either in the Hebrew or the Greek. It's not a passive word. I'm waiting for the bus. I'm waiting for the grass to grow. You know, I'm waiting for my prince to come. It's not like that. It's like, it is far from a passive word. It means this, to twist, to stretch, to be in tension, the tension of enduring, cords that wrap around each other, the strands of a rope, being bound together to look in expectation and eagerness, to lie in wait as an ambush. So it literally means, in a nutshell, in our times of waiting, in our seasons of waiting, we are on purpose and with purpose to wrap ourselves around God. We are to wrap around tightly and enduring. We do not let go. Wrap, wrap, wrap ourselves tightly around Him, not letting go. That's what we do in those seasons. That's what we do in those seasons. We not only go before God, we flip and wrap ourselves around Him. You do not, so that like the cords of a rope, you cannot distinguish one from the other. Remember this, especially if you've been in a wait for a long time. Delays do not mean God is not with us. Delays never mean that. That God, um, or that God has withdrawn his favour from us. That's a big one women think when they're waiting, especially for marriage. He has not withdrawn his favour from us or that he's forgotten us. That is not what waiting means. That is not what delays say. Like, I wish I could get you to understand that. The preciousness of our value to him. He is not punishing us. He wants everything flourishing. And if we'll just get in there and wrap ourselves around him, we will see those things that he has laid upon his, our heart, his heart. Uh These ways of thinking, they're not the perspective of someone who is seated in heavenly places or who knows our identity in Christ. So two things start to happen in your waiting. Your faith will be absolutely challenged and so will your trust. Both of those things are never separated. Your faith and your trust will be challenged and brought to birth in this season. Your faith in the Word of God, believe me, that'll get tested. Your faith in what you believe about God and your faith in prayer. Your faith in prayer will be tested every moment of this. And I've had to learn this one very hard. I've, I've wept on my bed over certain things till my mattress is wet in waiting And I've found that my God is faithful. We sang it this morning. And the enemy wants our faith and he wants our trust. We won't read that scripture just for time's sake. Thanks, Patrick. But Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 talks about trusting in the Lord with all your heart, not leaning to your own understanding. At any one time, at any one moment in our life, we are either trusting in the Lord with all our heart or trusting in our own understanding. No other options. We are either trusting in the Lord or trusting in our own understanding at all time. And the fruit shows. The fruit shows what we're standing in. And this trust is vital because whoever you don't trust, you will not surrender to. If you do not trust God, you will not surrender your life and then you'll do what most people do, become a real control freak. So this is not good. 
Getting our roots down deep in God is a massive key. Just about finished. So when do these roots need to go down? Some of you will go, oh yeah, that one, that one. I know all of these. So as I read these out, I want you to listen. So when do these roots need to go down? When the storm is raging, when the opposite is true, or, or when the opposite is true, when nothing seems to be happening. So your roots need to go down when the storm is raging or nothing is happening. When your body's still in pain, when your bills are continuing to mount, when your prince still hasn't come, when your spouse um, remains disinterested in salvation and the prophetic words you've had on your life are still not operating. That's when our roots have to come down. And if we don't go deep and get bound um, around him like fibers, fibers of a rope, I promise you that these will, this will be the fruit of that season. Yeah. You will fall into self-pity, resentment, deep, deep loss and grief, which these are all awful things. Disappointment, frustration, bitterness, offense, nastiness. People can get really nasty when they're in an awful season, when they're in a hard season. Nasty is not a fruit of the Spirit. Nasty is not good. Nasty, if you're nasty at home because your season is faltering, if we're nasty, we need to repent and we need to rise up over that because nasty is not a fruit of the Spirit. Too much nastiness happens when people's seasons are not going well. And we seriously can get a very unrenewed, messed up mind. I want us to stand this morning. And I just have asked guys to put some um, photos up on the screen. And I, I just want to explain what it is. I learned a long time ago that... Putting these roots down, see, this is a very quick oversight, overview of this. And what happens is this, two things happen in this season when you are challenged. Two things happen. You either stay on the surface and your little seed, like in Mark 4, falls to the wayside and never bears any fruit. Or that, that seed that has been planted in our life and those promises have to go down deep through all the drought, all the dryness, all the storms and the seasons. And eventually, they can go down deep like these trees, down through rocks. They began as seeds. They began as seeds. But the other side of that is the Bible tells us that Jesus is a rock of our salvation. These roots of ours must, we must determine that these roots of ours go down deep in every season. We push through the hard time. We push through the dry time. We push through the storms that are raging up on the, um, up on the surface. Guys, you're very welcome just to start playing. But those roots must get down. Like, look at this one wrapped around. This, this started as a little seed. This started as a seed. And we've got to make a determination today if we want the fruit of healthy seasons, that all this happened over time. 
But now those roots, you might look around today and you think, I wish I had that calling. I wish I had a husband like that. I wish I had children like that. I wish I had this and I wish I had that. But if you speak to any of those people, they will tell you that these things happen as a result of years and years and years of putting the roots down deeper and deeper and deeper in God. They pressed into God. They pressed in in prayer. They pressed in in prayer. When the grief was overwhelming, they pushed into the house of God. They ran to the house of God where there was life. So this morning, this is what I want us to do. I want us to realise that we are born to create a legacy. And we, some of us, have no idea of how massive that is gonna be. But I can tell you very truthfully, if the only legacy I ever leave on this earth was that I showed people that you can stand firm in God and still be running over the finish line at the end, that's enough legacy for me. That my life could be said, she loved God the older she got. The more she faced, her roots went down. That to me is the greatest legacy. What you do is secondary. What you do is secondary. Who you are on the inside, it will all be revealed in this time. I tell you what, you will find out who you are in these seasons of wait. It will, it will expose your character and integrity and how much you really do know and believe in God. So this morning, um, I would love the ministry team to come forward uh, and we're gonna pray. I'd love to see us pray for you. If you feel that you have been really stuck in a season, or if you're holding some resentment against God or others or unforgiveness, if this morning you realise, oh man, I've been waiting for something wonderful to happen and all the time my life is just being fruitless and wasted. We wanna pray for you this morning. And I wanna believe that there is such a change. There is such a change in what you see and what you believe. If you're holding a fence, it's important you get free of it. If you're holding unforgiveness, you need to leave that thing behind because it's gonna rob you. I promise you it will rob you. And the enemy's in the background laughing his head off, laughing his head off that he withheld, got to withhold you from your calling. So you need to be bold this morning. So just come out quickly. We're gonna pray for you. And also, if you have never this morning given your life to Jesus, or if you realise this morning I've been waiting for that decision to be made, I'd love you to come forward. I'd love it, thanks, mate. I'd love you to come forward. So if you would like to give your life to the Lord or recommit it, I'd love you to come over here, over to your left. But everybody else, I want you to hurry, hurry forward and say, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. I lay down everything I've been holding on to. Thank you, God. In worship team, you just start playing. Thank you.